Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Writers, agents, and publishers, for the first time since the Gutenberg Press, find themselves lost in a maze of mystery as technology alters the shape of the publishing industry. Searching for Answers is a group of writers throwing pop culture, writing, and publishing into a crucible of clarity, passion, and humor. This group is the Right Pack. In this episode of Right Pack Radio, we are going to discuss how we organize our work. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Right Back Radio. This is your host and producer, David Allen Lucas. Man with way too many projects right now, working on two books, plus uh, two websites. Um, if you don't know, Right Pack Radio is becoming a Right Pack Radio podcasting network as of October, in which we will have our second show joining us. Um, by the way, you do not need to change any way that you have been listening and subscribing to Right Pack Radio to catch that show. You will be able to listen to it as you listen to this right now. And then in December, actually December 31, we will have yet a third show joining us. So the second one in October is going to be Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy as he talks to people who are on Excelsior Journeys. Not the people who have made a billion dollars and you too, and you can too type motivation, but those who are actually still running the marathon. In their careers, and most of them are in the creative side, and they are from all walks of life. In January, or rather December 31, will be Motivation Creation. That will be a very short podcast coming out every Monday, starting December 31. Okay, enough for me. Also with me today is my lovely co-host. Hello, I'm Kathleen Kayembe. I write speculative fiction and uh, romance under the Penanka Second Vita. The speculative fiction is under my name. Um, you can find a short story of mine in the best science fiction and fantasy of the year, volume 12, edited by Jonathan Strahan. And uh, you can also, hold on, I have to find it. You can also find a, a novelette of mine in the upcoming uh, best science fiction and fantasy of the year, edited by N.K. Jemison. And also with me today, and we're recording, though, this airs on September the... 23rd. Oh, Today is actually her birthday, so happy birthday to my lovely wife. Happy birthday. Yeah. I, I'm Melanie Lucas. I um, write science fiction and fantasy, and uh, apparently when I wanted to get back to novel writing, of course, an idea for a short story pops in my head. So I've not worked on my novel this week, but I have come up with a new short story idea, which I am now outlining. And I promise, once I finish outlining it, I'm going to put it away, and then it can just go into my story file, and I'll get back to my novel. Neat. Yay. And along with us is our Madame of Murder and Mayhem herself. Vidara Amos. I write Victorian whodunits like Jack the Ripper in St. Louis, and Mayhem at Buffalo Bill's Wild West. And coming soon from Five Star Cengage, 
is my new work. It is called Have Your Ticket Punched by Frank James. He was, after all, the smart one of the James brothers. I am president of Greater St. Louis Sisters in Crime, and next Saturday, that is the 29th of September, I have been invited to be one of eight favorite mystery writers in St. Louis to the Carondelet Breakfast. They have a table limit of other people of 80 and still have three or four tickets left, so wow. if you'd like... Come and see me and, oh, Susan McBride and Denise Borgard and uh, Pratzel. What's his first name, Bill? Ed, Pr Ed Pratzel. Ed Pratzel and some others that I can't remember at the moment. It'll be fun. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, That's pretty you. fabulous. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and I'm going Thanks. to Magna Cum Murder in <laughs> Indianapolis. That's the third week in October. Whoever right. thinks that gets an A+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> And also with us today is a man of fantasy from Hannibal, Missouri. Well, actually, you live in Hannibal. You're actually from somewhere else, but that's okay. I'm from Florida, Albuquerque, originally. I'm Randy Freeman. I write fantasy. 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 I write has gone out to publishers in New York, so I'm hopefully hearing back from them either now or very soon, uh, so that's exciting. I'm also the founder and president of the Hannibal Writers Guild. If you'd like to find out more about me or my author services, you can check out ryanpcran.com. Excellent. Okay, today we're going to talk about how we organize our work. And I know for every author out there, everybody has a different method. There, there's no question about that. There's some things that overlap, some things that don't. We're all individuals. And I also know from being president of the St. Louis Writers Guild, that I'm often asked how somebody should organize their work. I don't have a should. If you didn't catch the first part of what I said, let me repeat it. Everybody has their own methods. So I want to kind of talk about today of what our methods are. And starting with that, go for Kathleen. Can we define work real quick? Because I had some... Uh, oh, okay. So, like, okay. So, are we talking about, like, how we organize a piece that we are writing? How we organize, like, our writing folders if we use a computer, say? Or, like, how we organize what project we take on when and why? Well, that is an excellently opened the, open the can of worms question. I like worms. Yes, because you actually just hit on all three types of topics. Yes. So... How do we how do we how do we organize our work in the sense of how do we organize it on the computer if we're using a computer and if we're not using a computer how do you organize or what what works for you? Well, I can throw in there the story bible that comes into play as well. Yeah, on each story, it helps keep you organized or at least make sure you're not breaking the bible like. Fedora, Fedora walks into the crime scene. Her green eyes they scan the area. Five, five chapters later, Fedora looking out the, out the window. Her blue eyes. <laughs> Just a very minor, easy mistake. 
actually, did someone with blue eyes play Fedora in a movie? Because Iron Man's eyes were green until Robert Downey Jr. started playing him, and now they're turning brown everywhere. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. I'm sorry. I need to be quiet. Yeah, sorry. Let, let out the inner geek. That's what we're all about. Um, and also, too, going back to the organizing, how do we... Some of us are pantsers, some of us are plotters, some of us are combos, or hybrids of the two. How do we do that? How do we organize our work getting it ready to get sent out to be published, even? So, Kathleen, you opened up the can of worms. So let's start off with how do we organize what we our ideas? Let's break it down to the very beginning. How do we organize our ideas to figure out which one we want to go with first? Yes. yes. As something I'm doing right now, I actually have a word file up, up, up on my computer called Story Ideas. And every time a story idea comes up, which is usually when I'm in the middle of something else, I take a minute or, okay, a day, whatever, or 20 minutes, write out that idea there. And then it can live there, and I don't have to worry about forgetting it if it's not time to write that. So that's where I keep them organized which is part one. How do I pick what I'm doing? That's more complicated. <laughs> I understand. Go ahead. Talking about story ideas, I keep a story idea file, which is in an actual manila folder. I do not have an idea file, per se, on my computer. My idea file, though, is always either uh, photocopies or actual clip-out pieces from old newspapers. And that is what, uh, when I'm desperate, <laughs> frankly, when I'm desperate, I know that I need to do something for a scene and that my scene isn't going well or it's not going the right way or I, it just needs something. That's when I go to the idea file in order to find some small idea to tuck in there or a humorous idea to tuck in there to make the scene work. So that is what I do idea file wise and how I use it. Over to you, Ryan. Um, I am. I have an, an, an all-important jump drive, um, but I also have multiple copies saved in various places. Um, I also have various little notebooks scattered about. Like I have one in the car. Um, I uh, I have other ones that I can write in. So wait, 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 Ryan. I'm sorry. This is how you or how you come up with your how you organize your ideas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I I have them in different places because I know that this idea goes in this way. Um, oh, active pro projects. Uh -huh. um, if they're just usually like travel ideas uh, or ideas I have that my mind's spacing on the road, I put them in the notebook in my car. Um, if I have maybe a story that I'm working on, I, I use specific books in specific places uh, for how I organize ideas. And once they become like a full-fledged story, they may be able to that. Okay, I follow you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, and so I'm able to associate physically um, with certain ideas, because then I get like sensory detail, I get frame of mind, um, so that's kind of like Kathleen, what about you? How I organize my ideas. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, I I have a writing folder, and um, 
I have a file that's, well, a folder, a subfolder that's um, basically story ideas, plot bunnies, and like... Define term. Plot bunnies. Oh my goodness. It's it's totally a, like an online, probably fan fiction related only term. Um, a plot bunny is basically an idea that comes to you that has the potential to multiply itself like bunnies until you have a full-fledged story on your hands and it's overwhelming and you just have to do the thing. So um, I have a uh, novels and series folder that has a subfolder that's just idea files um, and plot bunnies and whatnot. And um, I, I also, I, I have this habit of starting things and not finishing them because I, I start them for the discovery and everything. And then I'm like, this seems like it's growing too much of a plot and I have other things to do. So I'll just stick an incomplete at the beginning of the, the title, just INC dash. And then I know, okay, this is something else that I can come back to that's, you know, enough of an idea that there's story there, but you know, it's not done yet. So I have all sorts of things like that. I also have like a prompts folder for when I feel like getting ideas that I have not already come up with myself. <laughs> if you can hear in the background that Melanie is chuckling, it's because unfortunately since we're not on video, you can't, you could not see her reaction to Kathleen's statement as she stared over at me, Melanie staring at me. She's got the super villain, super villain, like class fingers thing going on right now. She really does about not finishing um, works, which yeah, that's been my problem lately. I'm going to say something real fast, and I'm going over to Fedora. Um, whereas myself, I do keep things in different writing folders, and I name them by the topic. Not well, that's not true. I name them by the title that I think that the story's going to have, and then leave it. Uh, go ahead. What's your? Oh no, I thought um, your question on that. Like, for example, I have one that is called Splintered Eye, which I'm currently working on. I have one that is called The St. Croix Mysteries. That is a, clearly a mystery, not a science fiction. Uh, oh, um, I just forgot the name of it. It's basically a vampire story, and my mind just went blank on its title. Uh, Sentinel Fleet, which was my other science fiction space opera. Um, I've still got the incomplete um, folders with all the story ideas for Hearn's Law, which is out there, so that's titled. So I can just, and yes, somewhere in my pile of folders is Skittles. So I, the names are what we call what I'm working on. Um, before I come with the dovetail, it's coming to me here briefly, I'm going to throw out something that Brad does. I know Brad's not on here, and last time, it's been a while since he and I, he and I have had this conversation, but Brad Cook likes to do a shoebox with ideas. And he'll write stuff down, I think, on index cards or he'll do clippings or whatever. It goes into the shoebox. And when he needs to do, like what Fedora described oh, when she was talking about what she does, he'll open up that shoebox and grab stuff. Dovetail from Kathleen, then over to Fedora. Oh, the, uh, the other thing that I do is um, I use Scribner a lot nowadays. Mm. Like, when all of my filing systems started, I did not use Scribner. It was not a thing that I had in my life. Um, and it was dark. It was dark days. Um, so now I use Scribner, and um, I have... I'll just do the fanfiction example, because that's the easiest. Like, you can do different icons in Scribner. You can make different, like, um, documents in Scribner in the same file. So, um, with that, like, if I... I have, like, all the fanfiction goes in there now. So I have a crap ton of stories in there. I have a bunch of story ideas that are tagged with different icons. I have like its own sort of subfolder section, image sections, and like 
So everything kind of goes in that one spot. So I can see immediately what's an idea, what needs to be completed, what has already been finished, and what is where. Cool. And I know Brad, um, I'm about to jump over here to Fedora. For those who don't know Scrivener, that is a software which you can get online. I think so. And um, it helps helps you organize your work. Brad does. Brad started doing his organization before Scrivener existed, from what I understand. What before he and I have had these conversations before. And what he does, though, he does do a version of Scrivener. It's not a separate piece of software. He uses his computer, sets it up like Scrivener. Okay, over to Fedora. Some ideas for generating ideas uh-huh. that I don't personally use, but but I know a lot of romance writers who do because they're very into groups. If you have, say, a critique group, take certain number of minutes in each of your critique sessions, like five minutes per person, for each person to say, uh, what do you think might go well here? And give a specific place where you want something uh, done, like uh, interaction with the hero and the heroine and a little horse. <laughs> I definitely and, misheard one of those words yes. and was like, that is erotica, man. <laughs> anyway, and then get do brainstorming, a brainstorming session just around that, mm-hmm. and then go on to the next person and so on. And there are actually retreats where people do nothing but brainstorm in different groups in different rooms and pay for the privilege. So it is a good way to generate things. If, if you get into trouble or if you just want a little additional help or if you want to bounce an idea off somebody else, a brainstorming session might be a good way to go. Something else, too, and this is also how a very famous author organized his work, because I'm actually stealing from him. I used what he did just to learn plot. Um, and that is, you've heard me talk about him in multiple um, set multiple episodes in the past, Earl Stanley Garner. If you don't know, recognize the name, try the name Perry Mason. That was just one of the series that he wrote. It got written for novels, short stories, radio shows, television, movies, blah. Anyway, what he did is he had nine spinner cards. He basically did nine, he cut nine circles out, assigned numbers, Hit the spinner, and the number that the spinner fell on coordinated with something that was in his notebook. For more details of how that plot actually worked, you can do one of two things. You can either find a book that's out of print, good luck, um, if you really want to purchase it because it's going to be <laughs> expensive, somewhere close to $100, US dollars, but it's called the, oh, by Fugate, F U G A T E. The storytelling techniques of the world's most famous, world's best-selling author. Wow, I actually remembered it. And then, or if you want the shorter version of it, you can go on find the Writer's Lens at www.thewriterslens.com, and in the search engine there, type in um, "fluid plot theory," and that, that that will pull up an old blog I wrote about how that works. So that's one. That's that. Okay, so now that you've got your ideas organized, how do you organize the actual work? Well, okay, well, so, as 
Melanie said or someone else said, you know, the picking of the idea is a lot more complicated. Let's say you've picked the idea. For some reason, it's resonating with you, which that's really what makes it hard. How do you organize your work at that point? And I really know we're going to be breaking up differently on this. What do you, how do you start, Kathleen, or, and then over to Ryan after Kathleen. Go ahead. Well, pre-Scribner, subfolders again, because I, I do a lot of things by computer. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and even if it starts out in a notebook, it ends up in the computer. Um, so I would have a folder for a specific project and like every image that was related to the project would go in there. Every file that was related, be it like an outline or a free write or, you know, snippets of the story or to the actual story itself would go in that folder. Um, now I have Scrivener. So all that stuff just goes in a single Scrivener file. So, um, I can add web pages in there too, but it's fabulous. Cool. I'm sorry, this whole episode is going to be playing with Scribner, isn't it? It's I, okay. I apologize in advance. Kathleen guys. loves Scribner. I, I admit, I, I'm going to jump in and then I'm going over to uh, Ryan and then over to Melanie. I love the idea of Scribner. I find Scribner to be limiting to me, not in its capabilities, but before you can use Scribner, every time I've tried to use it, it wants you to pick your title and all that stuff first. So I'm like, I'm not sure where I'm going to go with this idea yet. I'm not sure if it's going to be a short story or a novel or that. So that's why I end up doing it on Word. But, go ahead. I have a workaround for that. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk after this. <laughs> go for it, Ryan. Um, I, it, it starts everywhere, basically. And what I was describing before, like a story will be in my mind, part will be in a notebook, some will be in a journal. And basically, kind of like a seed, it'll all eventually go to my computer. And then, because I'm a diehard cancer, I write, and I and I don't know where it's going to go until it's done. Um, so once I get it in in, a, in all that in one place, and then I get a rough draft, and then I usually have to go and start filling in potholes because if I get stuck, I just skip it and keep going. Um, and then once it's done, I kind of like take a breath, you know, uh, and then I look back and I see, okay. Um, Maybe I need to move a chapter here. Now that I can see the whole thing, now it's all been splattered out, I can kind of see where I need to move things around. Um, and then over time, kind of coalesce it out. Over to Fedora, then Melanie, and then I'll do myself. Go ahead. Well, as I've said before, I don't do these extensive outlines like a lot of people do. I think I get bored with my stuff long before I made any progress on it at all. What I need in order to start are three things, though. I need to know <laughs> the opening scene, what the opening scene is. I know, need to know exactly when and where this story starts because I do historical fiction. And I need to know and be able to visualize the black moment, the scene that I'm going to be working towards through the entire book. So that is what I need to have. I do not make any attempt to outline. Well, I just have a... Laura, I have an organizational question for you. Uh -huh. To get to that point, would you need to do, for example, historical background research, and how would that involve some organization? I already have that. <laughs> what I need to do is, is, once I get started, I need to do, to get specific things, where specific places were, specific buildings, people who lived at the time. But the background, I think I've got. 
I may be just uh, blowing smoke there, but I'm happy with it. I've studied quite a lot about the 1800s, which is where I am, at least mentally, a lot of the time, <laughs> particularly every morning, very early. Gotcha. I think that kind of falls to the old statement of write what you know. It's not so much what you've lived, but it's your knowledge base. Yeah. And you've created a huge knowledge base in your research. I would say for me, the organization beforehand depends hugely on, first thing, is this a short story or is it a novel? If it's a novel, it's, frankly, world building. I don't necessarily, well, I do plot it out, but I think through the plot, I think through what's going to happen. But I think through the practical things, if it's not the real world, I think through the practical things, which is why it takes so long to get going, because even if I try not to develop the world, I find that I can't really get going at the story until I know the world. Sort of like Fedora needs to understand her time period before she gets going. I need to understand the world the story is taking place in. Short story, which is, might be why my short stories are taking place in the real world, modern day. Short story. First thing I did, outline it. Now I know. Oh, look, first thing I need to do for this brand new short story, I need to do some legal research. Then I need to do, you know, I look and see what I need to do write first in the story, then what I need to write next, and then through my head, plan to rewrite. So the organization would be save the outline, and then in a subfolder, in the, so I make a folder on my... Uh, I made a, make a subfolder into documents to put everything there. Then I make a research folder. So all the research folders for the short story, like news articles, or in this case, for whatever legal research I do, that'll get saved there too. Um, that all gets saved there. And then as the drafts, all the different drafts, all get saved to that same folder. And short stories get rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. Novels get rewritten and rewritten and rewritten too, but you know yeah. that also same thing. But um, which I do want to come back to the rewriting yeah. part as we organize as well. But just want to throw that. I'm not throwing, yeah. not stopping you. I just want to say that you're, you're highlighting something we're going to come to. Yeah, but it's. Um, I think in short stories, it's very. It, it's sort of like you kind of can see from the beginning to end all at once with a short story. For a novel, you do the basic steps for a while before you go on to the next one because it just is much bigger idea, bigger project. For myself, I've changed. Mm -hmm. um, I used to be a pantser like Ryan, Ryan talked about a little while ago. But I always started with character. A character and an idea. And that's really, and what I should say is a character and a theme idea, even if that's not what the story's going to end up being about. Um, I'm going to use Hearn's Law for an example. That was the last one that I really pantsed, and that was about a space cowboy. It was a space western. Originally, the concept was going to be Mal Reynolds and virtual reality. Who's Mal Reynolds? Mal Reynolds from Firefly. If you haven't seen Firefly, please... Do so after you're done listening to the podcast. Um, but then I had in a dream, suddenly my main character turned Hispanic. It was, okay, so now he's Hispanic. 
character, which made made interesting concept. The virtual reality was he had a robot that was with him, but turned out that robot was really call it a human being's personality that's been downloaded and living inside a virtual reality complex, and nobody knew that these robots were actually humans. Um, so anyway, that was that. Melanie, you caused a slight change after I applied this last novel and version of Splintered Eye that is not getting written because I bored the crap out of myself after I plotted it. It's like, oh, I know what's going to happen. Like what Fedora was talking about. Mm-hmm. It, which is why I was always a pantser. I hated plotting. Because it would bore the crap out of me. Well, I am now doing a slight bit of plotting that I'll explain. Melanie has always accused me, and she's right, I plot my characters by pants my novels. Or pants my stories. And... Once again, I know we're not on video, but I am staring at a five-inch five ring, three-ring binder that is filled with all the information I need for nine characters. Just nine characters in the current novel I'm working on, which, by the way, is still titled Splintered Eye, because it's still the same concept, those moved from mystery to science fiction. Um... But what I do is I'm taking now these main characters, and as we've talked about and other things, your hero and your villains are always on their own journeys. Well, okay, I'm plotting out those journeys for these nine characters. But I'm only taking it up to one step, and then I need to write, which is where I'm at right now, I need to write the first act of each of these nine characters. And then I'll plot off the next part and write it, and so forth. And oftentimes these are interweaving into each other. So I could say this book's going to be 81 chapters, but I already know that's a lie, because there's going to be chapters which have elements from four of these characters, for example, that they have different steps. So I don't know how long it's going to be in the long run. Or how many books it's going to be in the long run. Uh, Yeah, well, hopefully it will be a series, but we'll see. Um, so kicking this over to Ryan and then over to Fedora. Ryan. So, I know we've talked a lot about fiction, about organizing fiction. What about organizing nonfiction? And that's a good question, because organizing nonfiction is different. Let me put a pin in that one for briefly, because that's the other book I'm working on, is a nonfiction book. I'm going to pop over to Fedora so we don't lose what she was going to say, and then we'll come right back to that. And what you said about characters, I found very interesting and a bit strange because I think most uh, most pantsers are pantsers because they want their characters to be free. And that is what I think happens when you let the characters do what they want to do. And I will sometimes come up with a very strange character. And I'm glad when that happens because then that strange character can do all kinds of interesting and peculiar things that might not ever happen in the real world, but they can in a fictional world. Uh-huh. So I th- I think that uh, that is an important reason why I want to be a panzer, because I find characters that are fascinating, and then they do fascinating things that I don't have to worry about a whole lot. But I will tell you also how I organize them. I have on my computer a file, and since I do a series... 
I have every character, as soon as I introduce it, whether I think it's going to be important or not does not matter. I put it into my character listing, and so it's easily searchable, and we'll put its original description, and then when anything new pops up, I will include that once again in the same place, and I make sure that I indicate the first place and the first book, the first chapter in which this character appears so that I'll be able to go back and find the very beginnings if I need to, and yes, I have needed to. And which is, going back to a little bit what you said, yes, I know what I'm creating is very strange, but that's the reason I've only plotted up to a point. But I want to see what these characters are going to do and be able to allow them to do it, which is the other part of why I hated writing to that plot. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. <sighs> Let me fall asleep here as I type. As I type. Okay, so we've talked about how we get the story started and how it's organized to get started, at least, and as we've gone through on the writing of it. Okay, you've got your first draft done. What is... And I'm just putting us all in places. We've got our first draft done. How do you organize beyond that? Do you, there's always rewriting. Look, before you, before you do that, okay. it seems to me that there are several other folders that you want to have, mm. either real folders or mm -hmm. artificial ones, along with your, your basic manuscript as you go along. There are notes that you want to have for yourself to refer back to. One of the things that I do is at the end of every chapter, I write a brief synopsis of the chapter, maybe three or four lines, so that I can refer back to it. And you don't think you're going to have to refer back to it. Mm -hmm. You think, I'm going to remember all this stuff. Mm -hmm. and I'm, But you're not going to remember all this stuff, especially when it's three books ago. You're just not going to. So you need an easy-to-find retrieval system. And that is one of the easiest that I have found. Yeah, you could go through the entire manuscript, but that takes a much longer time than going through just a short chapter by chapter. So chapter by chapter is one thing I suggest. And it, another one that is simply notes of key things that maybe happened at the same time, but you don't even mention. But it's part of the background that you need to know in order to make it authentic. Uh -huh. So, a notes section. I would suggest that everybody probably wants to keep a spreadsheet of how many words you do on any given day and how many there are in a chapter. Because uh, this is something a lot of people don't think much about. But part of the pacing of your book comes from how long your chapters are and how much white space there is. If you're doing a thriller, for example, your chapters might be two, three pages long. They're never very long. And there's a lot of white space. So it seems like the reader is racing through it. And some people actually love that feeling of going really fast. In a cozy mystery, you tend to slow down. And you have some longer paragraphs, still a lot of dialogue and a lot of white space. But you're going to have time enough for the person to get cozy, so to speak, to curl up in a chair and enjoy a chapter, which is ten pages long, perhaps. So you see that pacing has a lot to do with that, and that's a good reason for a spreadsheet, 
Also, just because it's nice to see the number go up. Along with that, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, I have been known to, and I have, I do this all the time, is a spreadsheet showing the numbers, mm-hmm. which helps me go back and go, okay, is there any chapters which are way too short, way too long, and the pacing is extremely important. Not only to a reader, but God forbid, if anybody ever gets assigned a piece of my work to read in school, I don't know about you guys, but when I had a book that was, oh, read chapters one through five by tomorrow, and chapters one and two, maybe three were maybe t- um, ten pages each, and suddenly chapter four is thirty. Oh God, that was a grind. So yes, um, go ahead. Those are just some yeah. uh, research topics oh, and research uh, URLs is uh-huh. another place uh, where to look for some specific things. So I'm trying to think if there are any others that I use. Those are certainly the main categories, in addition to the uh, actual manuscript itself. Another thing, too, and I've mentioned it before, the Story Bible, which will walk hand-in-hand hand with what you just said, um, which I, well, that's my dovetail. You've got a dovetail, Kathleen? No, it's not your dovetail. Sure if, or I'm not topic. sure. If it's, it's not a change of topic. It's okay, let's go ahead and go with Kathleen's dovetail, and then your not possibly. Scrivener plug again. So <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> in Scrivener, you can you can do that. You can um, put like a, a chapter summary for each uh, little chapter section and each little document section, and um, it'll break down for you how long like chapters are by sections if you'd like. So mm-hmm. that's something that was really helpful for me um, with my novel Jinx, or rather, it's been helpful so far. Is recognizing okay. This these set of chapters are all of about this length, but then these two get really short. So is that gonna is that gonna seem odd? And like because it's alternating points of view, like mm-hmm. if all these chapters are consistent length, and then this one person's point of view chapter is shorter, and then it goes back to the other thing, like should I adjust? So, but you do want the chapters near the end to go faster, and so typically those are shorter. Just as a kind of a rule of thumb, especially with mysteries, that's true. Yeah. Uh, back to organization, as I'm writing my fantasy novel, I am using Twine. This is talked about on this phone. I don't use Scrivener, but uh, Twine, um, Jen talked about it. I don't know if she still uses it, but I don't use it as the way it was intended. But Twine is a free software program. It's designed to do online games. And if you're better at this stuff than I am, you can do actually quite sophisticated things with it. But I use it for storyboarding. And the reason why I use it for storyboarding is it's electronic, and as things change in my story, I have all sorts of notes and records and versions. But the newest stuff, ideally, it's out of date now. I know it's out of date now. But at some point, I'll update it, and the newest stuff will go in twine. And you see the little storyboards connect to each other, and they hyperlink to each other. So it's like, oh, character, what did I name that character, and who's that character's mom name? Look at that character's sheet. That character's mom, click on that link. Go to that character's mom's page. Look at that information. And you know what the best part at the very end? I can click a few buttons and create an HTML file. There's my story bible, all done. Mm -hmm. I could even publish it as a wiki. Okay. Okay, Excellent. actually, I would have to be shown how to do that, but, you know. <laughs> it's possible. It's, it's possible. possible. Theoretically, it's possible yes. to do that. 
So, let me go back to where I was going with the next step. I'm glad we paused here, because that was some, some information we needed to plug in there. Your story's been rough drafted. I'll go ahead and I'll start off of how, what my plans are, how I do this, and so forth, and then please go how you guys do. I borrow from screenwriting. Um, screenwriting, if you ever look at how scripts are written, scripts are written on different colored paper. The different colored paper indicate what draft it's in, basically, whether or not it's a uh, shooting script, or if it's come around for a different revision, and so forth. Um, you can look up the more detailed information. I take the concept and applied it in this way. Once I do the once I do what's called the white draft, that is my first draft. Then I do a revision draft. And by the way, my revision draft is actually multiple drafts. I'm going at it from uh, different levels, but that's blue. After that, after I've done that, I do one more revision, which is my next color, which I'm not going to go. This, you can look up script writing. You can follow the same colors. I don't actually change the paper. I just label the file which color it is. That goes out to my beta readers. Then I get back their comments. Go through it, create a brand new one, then I turn it over to some professional editors. This is professional develop, story development editors not the proofreading editors. Then I get back from development editors, once again, one more time, at least through, and once again, I say one more time, actually multiple times, by making one draft, then that will go off to the proofreaders, and then after I get their comments back and make changes, then I go starting to go to market. That's what I do. It's a long and encumbersome process, I admit it. Brian, over to you, and then I want anybody else who is well. Um, a lot of what I learned was either by trial and error or actually from listening to this podcast for a long time. Um, I write it through. Uh, as crappy as it is, I get it done. Um, and then I give myself a little bit of breath, you know, away from it. And then I'll reread it or rework it. And then I'll send it off to a couple of beta readers uh, that I, I trust and I... Um, I know that they are professionally minded. Um, they're also fellow writers. Um, and I get their feedback. I, you know, I work through that, integrate what I like, I'll read through it again. Um, I might send it back to data readers, and then I'll probably work through it one more time. I'll shoot it through granularly, which is a lovely thing. Uh, and uh, then, it's, it's, so far, from what I've written, it's what I, it's what I want. Um, and then I decide whether I want to get published or if I want to uh, get that finished. Cool. And just paying cabbage checks, I know the answer myself. What is Grammarly? Grammarly is a wonderful, well, I think it's a wonderful program. Uh, it's, it's a free version. You can download it. It, it picks up on everything from spelling errors to grammar to uh, um, uh, if you're copying somebody else's words. Uh, it, it can suggest changes. Uh, it's really easy to use. It's very point and shoot, um, and uh, it's just—it's. I, I think it's super helpful. Yeah, it does help check for plagiarism, like you said, and so forth. Yeah, and it integrates right into Word too. Yep, it does. Please, Fedora. I burn my bridges. I don't have a thousand drafts. If it—if I can't make it better, I don't change it. 
It's about that simple. Well, but I do rolling. I do rolling uh, uh, rewrites so that I will always look at the the stuff from before. And I don't write a whole bunch of words a day, so I, I read that and edit, and then I keep on re going through the same stuff at least through the end of the chapter and into the next chapter, so that I do rolling edits constantly, constantly, constantly. Then, after I'm finished with the entire manuscript, I take it to a critique group, or I may not even be finished with the entire manuscript, but I will take it to critique group, and they will give me some suggestions, and I'll make some more changes, and so on and so on, and then I go through it one more time before I actually submit it to my publisher and uh, see if the whole thing hangs together. And I may send it to a beta reader, but not until the whole thing is finished and been through polishing with the critique group. Yeah. And what about you, Kathleen? Well, for the whole writing revision process, like, well, getting a rough draft out is the hardest part. Yes. Um, although I'm obsessive in my revisions. Um, so I actually, like, I... I get the rough draft out, like Ryan, I spend a lot of time away from it so I can kind of come back to it with a clear mind when, I, when I've had enough space and I can look more objectively at it. Um, I do a crap ton of revisions. It depends on what the project is to determine how I do the revisions. But um, there are generally a number of them. I don't color code them, but there are at least three for short things for long things, it can go, it can go so many ways. Um, but yeah, after that, I tend to, to send things out for publication. So um, when I feel like it's as perfect as I can get it and I've gone through um, critiques and I've read over it myself a bunch of times, potentially send it out for more critiques, um, then I'll start looking into places to send it if I don't already have an idea and start getting all that stuff done. But like, I have, um, for things that aren't in Scribner, um, I have, you know, the draft number in the, the work title and whenever I'm going to do another revision, I save it as a new document with a, with a higher draft number. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, when it is in Scribner, like I know you can take snapshots and then go back to previous versions of the piece, but I'm old fashioned. So I'll just move the, the draft to a different section and like, copy paste it into a new draft with a new number mm -hmm. and go through it that way so I can, you know, go through things that way. And I also have an elephant graveyard inspired by Jennifer, inspired by the Lion King. So things that I take out of the story in case I end up wanting to put them back in and use them elsewhere, go into that folder. I have an outtakes folder too. Yeah. I never look in it though. I don't know if there's anything useful there at all. Same, but it's nice to have, you know? Yeah, yeah. kind of yeah. comforting. Yep, my outtakes folder, I actually have two kind of things there. Sometimes I have some great scenes that are just messing up the flow of the story. It's like, yeah, that happens, but I guess the reader doesn't need to see that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so sometimes outtakes go there. And then other times, especially first draft, this is very annoying to me. It's like, begin, pacing problems. It's like, or plot-wise, it's like, ugh, that still needs to happen, but it's happening in the wrong place of the story. So let's pull out this scene. It needs a full rewrite, and it goes three chapters later, but the actual, you know, one of the text actually will still appear there. 
So that my outtake scenes would be used for that too, which is different. <laughs> I'm going over Ryan, and then I want to one last thing on organizing, and I think we'll be closing up. Go ahead, Ryan. One last thing I want to throw in is that what what I just described earlier, but what I'm what I do is a general process that I'm learning as, as I'm more and more I write that each each work is unique. Um, each work kind of has its own little personality to it. And so sometimes I had to do things differently. Sometimes it may rapidly evolve right in front of my eyes. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, the book that I that I sent off with my agent to publishers in New York is taking me two and a half years to get it to where I want it. You know, so I had a novella that took me four months, and then that was perfect. And, and I, I, um, it, it really depends. So I think like keeping an eye out for the nature and the character, the work you're working on, the personality, um, you can keep your sense. Okay. Fedora, you put your hand up, so yeah. go for it, and then... Yeah, well, before we totally leave things, I think it's important for people also to have records to keep track of what they send where and okay. what happens with it. Perfect. That's actually where I was going with this final okay. part. So Contest for one and actual two publishers for another to keep good track of all that stuff. For one thing, you may need it if the IRS ever <laughs> complains about you and you will be able to show them, well, I've done this and this and this yeah. and this, and that you are attempting, at least, to be a professional writer. So it's very important to keep these records, and it's boring to do, I know, but you should do it anyway. Because, yeah. yeah, you don't want, the, don't want any, I don't care what, what, what country you live in, and I say that because we've got international listeners here, I can pretty much guarantee you whatever your bureaucratic system of tax collection is, you never want to mess with them. So you want to have everything ready for them. Um, if Brad was here, he'd probably talk about um, Query Tracker. That's one way to keep track. I've kept track in the past when I've submitted to um, magazines or to publishers or whatever. I keep track of that on an Excel spreadsheet. I keep track of the money that you spend on mm -hmm. it and so on and so on. Yeah. So that, I'm glad that you went to exactly what my last thing was we talked about. Yeah. Your tracking method may be different depending if you're going indie, traditional, or if you're a hybrid. Because of what you need to track is going to be different. But you do need to track it. As much as I know that making us, us creatives groan who don't like to do paperwork, I fully understand. But... You do need to be able to show information as towards what you've been doing, how you've been doing it, and it also helps too to know where your mistakes have been as far as some tracking. Or if you said, let me go from a traditional publishing point of view. If I've sent story A to Ellery Queen Mystery Magazine, they rejected it, I've sent it off to Alfred Hitchcock, they reject, blah, 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 I can see where eventually it lands. And maybe that was more its, more of its audience than I thought it was. Next time, if I'm writing a similar type story, I may try that one first. If I'm actually seeing a pattern. I should say if I'm seeing a pattern, more than just one story. What I'm going is it helps define your audience as well. Well, it also shows you that you're working hard. You're getting things done. And that's a satisfaction unto itself. 
Yep. So is there anything in which either Fedora and I have said that was that missed anything on what any of the other three of the panelists today um, do on the final side of their organizing their work? Now it's the, it's, I call it the going to market aspect. Mm -hmm. An Excel file is good for, mm -hmm. Fedora said to do it, but doing it in an Excel file would work well. Yep. Um, um, Kathleen? No, Excel file. Okay. Um, there's other apps that will do it too. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, for those of us who are... Not addicted not to the heroin known as Microsoft? <laughs> yeah. Any decent spreadsheet is a good yeah. place to start. You can... You can work it around to make it work for you. Yep. Okay, and Ryan, what about you? Any final seconds? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, okay. I, I think the last, the last thing I can think of it is, is on, on, the, on the far right side of the creative end, pay attention to your, your creative victims because a lot of times they can help you grow as a writer, whether it's the actual creative output or it's how you go about your process. Um, the biggest thing for me, I think I've learned, is um, to, to allow myself to not be rigid, um, to continually try to evolve and grow how I put together pretty work. And be okay trying new things. Excellent. Just going to do a closing statement here, which no, I don't call it. Hey, now we're going to do a closing statement, but. As I started this podcast off today, every writer's different. Every method, we have things that overlap, we have things that diverge. If you're having a problem with organizing your work or something doesn't feel, like, feel right, I'm hoping that something of any of the stuff we shared today is helping you. And meanwhile, um, just closing us off, if you wish to contact Right Pack Radio, you can. It's just Literally write us at writepackradio at windingtrailsmedia.com. Again, writepackradio at windingtrailsmedia.com. Or leave comments on our Facebook page or underneath when we advertise these episodes. All episodes are available. And please like us on whatever platform. Leave comments, leave stars, thumbs ups, whatever. We appreciate them. Have a great day writing. Great week writing, and tune in next week for yet another interesting topic in the writing industry. Take care. The new theme songs for Right Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. 
Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. 